GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. The Director of Public Health is asking people to do their research before receiving any injectable cosmetic treatment. Dr Helen Carter spoke to our reporter Shalina Asamal after a woman was hospitalised. We've been at Catlin Bay where the OS35 is no longer an eyesore for residents. Could we get mental health services on a par with physical health services? A talking point for the Mental Welfare Society's Conchita Triai. And how can exercise and your choice of food affect your mental health? We spoke to the health authorities Natasha Serisola and Shane Moreno of the Royal Gibraltar Regiment and Healthy Meals Gibraltar. But first... The GSLP Liberals would not form part of a treaty negotiating team if they lost the next election and the GSD won. Our reporter, Ros Astengo, followed the Chief Minister's four and three quarter hour long speech in Parliament. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. It was definitely the headline, I think, from this because, uh, first of all, let's just say that this is the Chief Minister's opportunity to reply to all the opposition statements. So we knew it was going to be a, a long after, a long morning and afternoon uh, of uh, doing those re- replies to all their addresses. Uh, but this was something, I think, extra. Now, we remember that the GSD have been saying, uh, the Keith Azapardi, the GSD leader, said in his uh, budget address that they would invite the GSLP Liberals to be part of a negotiating team on a treaty agreement should the GSD win the next election, thereby, Jonathan, neutralising any argument that, oh, well, you have to have the GSLP Liberals in government because you need them to negotiate. I think, the GSD, yeah. yeah. That, that, Political commentators, maybe not publicly, but but sort of silently, were saying, "Well, it's a smart move. It sort of yes, tries exactly. to bring him in and, and neutralise his advantage." And in fact, Daniel Fintum has himself said it. It neutralises their argument. He said that in a GBC interview. So um, now, what the chief minister is saying is, "Hold on a moment. We are not going to be part of your negotiating agreement." And he gives some very firm reasons as to why this is. Firstly, he believes that the GSD have flip-flopped on various issues regarding sovereignty, whether Gibraltar should form part of the uh, the, the trade um, agreement, the TCA, uh, Trade and Cooperation Agreement, that uh, the UK signed with the EU. Um, he, uh, Mr Bigardo claims that there have been different positions on that, that we should uh, be following the, everything the UK does, and then it changed. So he says, first of all, he accused them of flip-flopping on their position. And second of all, he looked back on the GSD's um, his, uh, record in government. Of course, you remember the whole joint sovereignty uh, era the when uh, Gibraltar had a referendum rejecting joint sovereignty. These were discussions being had between the British and the Spanish governments. Um, so what Fabian Picardo said, interestingly, he read uh, an extract from Peter Haynes' book uh, who outlined, he was the cabinet minister at the time involved in those uh, negotiations, and um, Peter Hain uh, talks about a meeting he had with Sir Peter Caruana and Mr Picardo. Basically, in Queensway, no? Yes, and he he essentially accuses Mr... Uh, Sir Peter Caruana of being the instigator of those joint sovereignty agreements. Be interesting to see what Sir Peter makes of that, if indeed he cares to comment. So it was basically based on two issues. It's the fact that Mr Bigardo says the GSD has flip-flopped on certain issues as regards sovereignty and also look at their own record and, and that's why he says the only people to negotiate this treaty is them themselves. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today. 
with Jonathan Scott. We've had somebody admitted into hospital very ill as a result of a lifestyle beauty treatment and hence why we wanted to warn the public and empower the public to ask questions. We're absolutely not saying don't go and have treatment. What we're saying is ask who is giving you the treatment, what's their qualifications, what training have they had done. Ask, ask questions about what the treatment is. Make sure you know what you're receiving. And then look around. How are they giving you the treatment? Are there good standards of hygiene? Are they using clean needles? Is the safe disposal of needles? So infection prevention control practices. The Director of Public Health, Dr Helen Carter, speaking to Shalina Asamal, who's reporting on this story today. So, Shalina, somebody fell quite ill as a result of one of these procedures. Yes, so quite concerning news there uh, that somebody has uh, been unwell. They were hospitalised. Um, thankfully, Dr Carter says this is the first case that's uh, been so serious, but it did prompt them to take action in the form of the uh, press release we we're talking about. Uh, she does say, though, that side effects do occur. Normally, they're not as serious, so you might not hear of them in the same way, but uh, it's why she wants people to start questioning what they're doing a little bit more. Uh, we're talking about injectables, so that's things like filler, which can be, you know, in your lips, in your cheeks. <laughs> there are a lot of places they can we put hear a filler lot these days. Botox nowadays. And Botox, yeah. So the thing with Botox, actually, that's one that requires a prescription. Uh, so Dr. Carter actually explained this to me. Um, Doctors, uh, dentists, they're allowed to carry out Botox. Um, it's a prescribed um, procedure. But uh, places like salons, beauticians that might be carrying out these types of treatments, I'm, I, I think I can think of a few, they actually need a prescription from a medical professional that's registered uh, with the GMRB. But in current legislation, there's actually no provision for the regulation of non-registered health professionals beauticians, salons, etc. The only thing that exists is that their business license should allow them to carry out invasive treatments. Um, the OFT's Francis Muscat did tell me, though, that uh, we'd be naive to think there weren't people offering services without that um, criteria. Um, it isn't an offence at present. Uh, Mr Muscat had this to say. It's been regulated by the OFT as a default licensing authority and Anything which is not covered by the Gibraltar Medical Registration Board, the Gibraltar Nursing Registration Board, would by default be covered by the OFT. So there is always an element of cover there. But I, I can tell you that the government is proactively looking at specific and bespoke regulation for this type of invasive treatment, particularly because it's a growing area. Um, these uh, type of services were not offered three or four years ago. There's been a boom, particularly post-COVID-19, and I think it's an area, or government thinks it's an area that needs to be looked at into more detail. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. As you will no doubt have heard, the Port Authority has removed the exclusion zone restriction outside the uh, or around what used to be the OS35 incident site. It means that boat users, paddleboarders, and even brave open water swimmers can again access that area where the ship has been beached for the better part of the year but has now been removed. Our reporter Kevin Reese was at Catlin Bay where the OS35 is no longer an eyesore for residents. It was interesting to watch how they 
pushed it out and that how the tugs took it out into sea and how quickly such a big big boat was taken out lo tengo debajo de mi ventana como el que dice estábamos mirando los dos no dormíamos tranquilo mirando we should have had a special uh, going away everybody should have come out to applaud the way it was handled by all the different departments we'd got used to the scenery we just got used to the horizon but really happy that it's gone now it's good to see that it's finally out of out of the way no ya parece que pasado el peligro indeed uh, and we haven't fared too badly i think all things considered uh, given the amount of fuel that could have escaped into our waters i think that uh, many will be happy with the way that uh, the os35 story has unfolded notwithstanding the fact that there were uh, some uh, there, there, was, there was some oil that ended up on our beaches and on our wildlife. Uh, all things considered, I think that um, uh, it's been handled fairly well, according to many of our listeners and the feedback that we've got. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Good afternoon to Conchita Triay. So we know where we want to go, Conchita. Um, wh- where are we? How does the provision um, of mental health services compare to those of physical health services? Well, I don't think we're on a par at all. Um, I think uh, that uh, mental health, as I think most people know, has always been the, the poor sister of the of the system. Uh, fortunately, in, in over the years, things have improved. Um, I think in the last year or so, um, there has been clearer recognition of the fact that a lot of work has to be done. And I think a lot of work is being done uh, behind the scenes. I think the problem is that because things were so bad um, that it's taking those who are trying to change it, to restructure things and so on, it's taking them a long time. It's going to take a long time before we actually see very clear results, you know. Okay, so um, is the provision of mental health services harder? Is mental health more complex than physical health? I, I think it is. I think I think mental health uh, can be something that is very very complex. Uh, you know, we're not talking about something where somebody has uh, depression. I'm not trying to say that depression isn't uh, important, but I mean sometimes there are there are complex uh, comorbidities, and also people with mental health issues who also have physical health issues because these things go together and uh, from our experience uh, we find that that these things are not treated in a holistic in a holistic manner that's one of the problems you know before you had guests talking about the importance of healthy eating and so on and this is very important and this is something that maybe people who are well enough um, and clear-minded enough uh, to take the advice on board will do so but there are many others who are very very sick people who are very, who have very very important very serious illnesses who unless they have a very good family support system are not going to do that you know so that's one that's that's a problem in, in itself mm. that's that's a kind of added complexity and uh, with mental health uh, i was thinking before for example um if you have a, an appointment a medical appointment for a physical health problem and it's cancelled uh, it's a nuisance and it's annoying uh, for somebody with a mental health uh, illness it can be much more than that it can be devastating for example 
just to give a, a small example. So the Mental Welfare Society uh, helps to uh, champion uh, sort of, you know, you work with service users, you you, you work to champion their, uh, the challenges that they face mm-hmm. and, and you try and uh, work, I think it's fair to say, with the health authority yes. to, to make improvements. Yes. You've said that uh, at the moment the provision of mental health services isn't on a par with the provision of physical health services, but are we moving in the right direction? Well, I know that, for example, they are uh, hoping to to take on two more psychologists. At the moment, there are three. I think there is a budget for five, so they are going to they want to take on two more psychologists. Well, I'm sure it's a conversation that will continue in the coming months and and years. But um, but thank you for joining us this thank afternoon, Conchita Tria, on behalf of the Mental Welfare Society. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. It's a pleasure to be joined by Shane now and also by the Health Authority's Divisional Nurse Manager for Mental Health Services, Natasha Serisola. Good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. So uh, where do we start? I mean, nutrition and and being active are are important and, and you guys want to raise awareness about it. So we believe in mental health and we strive uh, for mental health and physical health to go hand in hand. And we believe that nutrition and exercise is extremely important, both in mental and physical health. I mean, as we know, um, the life expectancy of mental health patients is relatively, it's 10 years less than your general population. And we feel we need to push for equity in care for our mental health patients and equal care for physical and mental health and by doing this awareness day tomorrow I think we're putting it out there in our community the importance of physical health not only for mental health but sorry for fitness and nutrition not only for mental health but for physical health as well. Okay so what sort of foods should we be or or what sort of thing do we need to be thinking about when we when we think of foods uh, to to ensure that we're eating well uh, what what sort of balance are we after? So it's it's a it's a very touchy subject because um I think with all the social media nowadays, people get tend to to get misled into into eating things that they think they're healthy and they're not. Uh, also, when you think about healthy eating, you you automatically think boring. <laughs> so, m- my my goal is to teach everyone it's not boring. You can you can have many variations of healthy meals, healthy food, which in in um, which will be basically take. Um, be good for your mental health uh, and all that stuff, yeah. Okay, so um, I've got some lentejas today. Is that is that a good mm. meal choice? Well, realistically, everyone likes to eat comfort food. Lentejas isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got some potatoes in there, but it's got some veg in the mix. Uh, pulses are good. Yes. Uh, but we need variety, I guess. Exactly, no, as well? yeah. What, uh, what, what, what are we looking for? Like vegetables? We're looking for vegetables. We're looking for lean proteins. We're looking for complex carbohydrates, all that stuff. Such so, as? What uh, are... Rice, sweet potato, uh, pasta, which it is, but some people just can't eat it because of the gluten and stuff like that. So it's a very, like I said, a very complex uh, subject, which if you know what you're doing, you can perfectly have a healthy, healthy diet. And obviously you can have your, uh, I call them cheat meals. No. Cheats, no? Cheat yeah, meals. Yeah. So you have your 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 weekends when you can go to the beach and enjoy yourself because at the end of the day, we only have one life. You want to be as healthy as you, you can be. But obviously, if you're not going to compete or anything like that, it's not realistic for a normal person to be like that. 
Yeah, so you don't want to be, you don't want to feel like you're sort of um, shackled and, and, and that you're a, a, a sort of a slave to your diet. And exactly. then sometimes what you see is that people sort of rebound too far and then they think, right, I'm going to abandon this. Yeah, people uh, just don't eat, yeah. which I have many friends who've done that. It's not, it's not the way. And then what that, what that happens is it, it messes with your head. Uh, I've suffered it. I was overweight when I was younger. I had my first children and I was embarrassed to go to the beach and take my top off. This is, people that know me know this is true. What happens? It starts affecting you and you say, I need to do something about this. I cannot be like this. I've got kids and I need to go to the beach. So once you are able to establish a healthy, it's, it's, it's a healthy lifestyle and you can keep it going for as long as you want because it's, it's sustainable. Yes, that's a very good point. So I was thinking in the short term that if you eat a, a healthy meal in that moment, you might feel better. But but uh, if we can bring in Natasha, uh, Shane's point is a good one, that if, if you don't eat well, mm-hmm. you're less likely to feel positive uh, about who you are and, and that can uh, result in all sorts of so problems and, exactly, and challenges for you. No? Sorry, exactly what Shane has said. So with regards to fitness and nutrition in mental health, I mean, there's several neurotransmitters in the brain that people with depression and anxiety and stress are commonly deficient in. And several studies have now shown that physical fitness can promote and regulate them. For example, um, endorphins in the brain are related to increase in positive mood and increase in personal overall sense of well-being. So studies indicate that if you exercise, that increases the release of endorphins. We also have the serotonin, which is released during exercise and is critical in treating most of the depression and anxiety and stresses. And it helps helps to elevate and regulate moods. We also have the dopamine, also known as the feel-good transmitter, and um, that boosts mood as well. So it does correlate and interlink very well with with basic mental health disorders, like, again, um, the basic depression and the stress and anxiety. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us, uh, Shane Moreno and Natasha Serisola. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar Today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.